Welcome to Slay Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. I love being in church. Uh, honestly, it wasn't always that way, but uh, you can change even that, you know. At one point, I, I hated going to church. I was like, this is the worst place. I want to be at home playing FIFA 99, <laughs> you know, and uh, God got a hold of my life, and now I love church, and now I'm, I'm preaching, and uh, crazier things can happen, eh? It's so good to see you. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the lead pastors here alongside my wife, Emma, and we pastor alongside the incredible Luke and Victoria Bedker, and that is the correct pairing. <laughs> I was like, people are going to start thinking weird stuff here if we don't get that clear. So Emma and Luke are brother and sister, and uh, we absolutely love uh, pastoring together. I'm really excited, uh, of course, as I am most weeks. Truthfully, I woke up tired. Anybody wake up tired today? Anybody want to make sure that we stop this whole time change thing where we got to lose an hour, gain an hour? It's like you never know whether or not you're gaining an hour or losing an hour, but always feels like losing an hour. Yeah, you're like, what is going on? Uh, I'm done with it too, and uh, I woke up a little bit tired, but I'm really excited for what God has to, to share with us today because even though we might feel tired if we're willing and we're open, I really believe that God can speak to us today. Amen? Yeah? Who's excited to be in church? Why don't you put up your hand and say, I'm, if you're inside, excited in church, why don't you put up your hand, let me see it. Put up your hand if you never put up your hand. <laughs> Pastor Luke did that the other week, and I'm like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Just kind of centers it. We see you. We see you. All right. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna give you my message title and maybe where we're going today. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into it. I, I want to talk on this idea of, so if you're taking notes, remember, pastors care if you take notes. Um, We'll only talk to you after the service if you were taking notes. <laughs> I can't even tell who's taking notes or not. But it could benefit you. I still go back to notes that I took when I was in youth and my youth pastor was speaking. I'll still go back to them and read, read them because I just knew those were seasons where I was being encouraged and God was doing stuff in my life. And when I go back to it, it's like I'm right back there, you know. Like some people, that's why they still want to sing hymns in church, right. Because uh, when they were impacted in youth, they were singing hymns. And that's really, if we're going to get to the bottom of it, why they want to sing hymns in youth. That's why, like, every Sunday, if we just sung Hillsong United, Mighty to Save, I would just be in heaven. And some of you are like, thank God we don't do that. Um, but that's because what we, that's what we were singing when I was in youth. And that's where my life was changed. And so it's good to take notes that you can circle back and, and remind yourself of what God was teaching you in different seasons. Taking notes, this is a title. Write this down. It's... A lot. Turn to somebody and say, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I want to talk on this idea of whether you've been given a little or you've been given a lot, we have the responsibility to give it all we've got. Man, doesn't that just, doesn't, like, listen, I'm, I'm not like a, uh, I'm not a lyricist or anything like that, but that was by divine intervention that God gave me that because it sounds good and it doesn't always sound that great. But whether you've been given a little or you've been given a lot, we need to give it all we've got, all right? We're going to pray, and we'll jump into it. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're up to in our church and what you've been up to all day today. God, we are 
really excited for this service. We're excited for what comes later today. We're just, we're just glad to be in your house and thankful to be living in this incredible country. We pray that you would bless this message. And uh, may we walk out of this place not the same way that we came in, but transform. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you know what? I meant to do this before the prayer because I forgot about it before the prayer last time. But can we just take uh, one minute? Tomorrow is Remembrance Day. We won't be together. But as a church, we just want to remind you that actually we really do honor the sacrifice that um, so many people made. So we could be in this room today with the freedom that we have. And uh, I don't care what your view is on war. People still paid a price. And we need to honor that. So why don't we just take one minute and just thank God for the men and women that have given their lives to protect us. Jesus, we thank you for our freedom, and we thank you for everybody that paid a price that we could have this freedom. Jesus, we pray for all the families remembering loved ones today that might not be with us today because they paid that sacrifice. God, the word says that there's no greater love than those who would lay down their life for a friend. And so, God, we thank you so much for those that currently serve and those that have served. And, God, we pray a blessing over them and their families. pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right. Well, uh. You know, I, uh, I kind of have to start by telling you something that I promised my little girl that we'd, we'd talk about today. So every night I put the kids to bed. It's, it's one of the things that I do around our house, and I love it. I, like, it's my favorite part of my day, not because they're going to sleep, but because they just say the craziest stuff. Uh, I'm not that kind of dad. I don't, like, look forward to bedtime, so I'm like, oh, some time to myself, you know. Although sometimes, let's be honest, that might be part of the reason. Um, but uh, honestly, I just love what they say. And Kensington, who's our little three-year-old, she's our oldest out of the three kids that we have. And she, um, she, she's a talkative girl. I don't know where she got it from, but she definitely didn't get it from me, you know. And uh, just, this, you know, there might be somebody sitting over there that she got it from. And uh, um, that's a good thing because I love my wife. And if you were ever were on a road trip with us, you'd see where Kenzie gets it from because I just drive and I'm a just talks, you know, and, and it works out. That's our rhythm. But uh, Kenzie, she loves to talk, and, and uh, you know, every so often I, I just, like, all I want to do, the best use of my time as a dad is just to listen to her, right? And so last night, it's past her bedtime, and I just stood leaning up against her doorway just listening to her talk for like 20, 25 minutes. She's just like this and that. Of course, she's just only talking because she doesn't want to go to bed. She's like, She's thinking in her mind, like, man, my dad's an idiot. All I have to do is keep talking, and he'll stay up. This is the best thing in the world. But I just lean there, and for 20, 25 minutes, she's just babbling on and on and on. And we're trying to work out, you know, her theological beliefs and everything else, because at one point she was confusing, you know, some parts of the tooth fairy and Jesus. And, you know, like all of us have at different times, you know. And, and uh and so, you know, she's putting together a little narrative, but then she started telling me one thing, and she kept saying it over and over again. And I'm like, this is the weirdest thing, like, for a little kid to start talking about. But she kept saying it over and over again, and then she'd finish it with this. She would say, Dad, you got to tell them about this tomorrow. I'm like, okay, I'll tell them about this tomorrow. And she's like, no, will you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, not a big deal, you know, like, I, I can. And she'd repeat it, and then she said, you're going to tell them, right? 
I'm like, what does this little three-year-old have with me? And so I've come here to deliver a message from Kenzie. <laughs> because I'm a good dad, and I, I'm going to humor her. And uh, it actually kind of lines up well with a little bit of the directions that we're going to go today. But so she told me, and, and she said, Dad, Jesus takes our gold coins. Like, uh, clearly not from God because we don't have any gold coins, but okay. Dad, Jesus takes our gold coins, he turns them black, and he gives them back to us so that our eyes don't hurt. And I'd be like, okay, great. Are you going to tell them tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't care. And she said, Dad, I was like, yes, yes. Jesus takes our gold coins, and he makes them black so our eyes don't hurt, and he gives them back to us. I'm like, cool. She's like, you're going to tell them tomorrow, right? I'm like, I guess so. Like, she told me this four times and made me commit. So here I am to tell you, Jesus will take your gold coins. He will turn them black so your eyes don't hurt, and he'll give them back to you. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> like, like, where do you make this stuff up? And uh, immediately, because I knew what I was talking about today, I was like, actually, you know what? Maybe this, this actually will hit home for us. Because a lot of us know in this room, or at least we've heard, and some of us have gotten to the place of believing, that God, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit will, will take care of us. He's going to provide for us. But a lot of us, like Kenzie, are kind of confused on how he's going to do that, you know? Like a lot of us in this room, we get the theology on the fact that God will take care of his children, God cares for us, God loves us, God's going to provide for us, God's going to give to us. But so many of us in that in-between, we get mixed up on how he's going to do it. In fact, a lot of us carry around false notions of how God's going to provide or how God will provide or maybe God won't provide because we've done something. And, and we carry around all this stuff not believing what it looks like to actually receive from God and actually put ourselves in a place where we can be used by God. And I want to talk today because I, 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 there's a focus in this message, and I just have to say it up front. There's a financial focus to this message um, because this is the way that God gave it to me. And I'm going to preach it the way that God gave it to me, if that's all right. And I was, I was saying to God when, when, when I was, like, just praying and, like, all these thoughts were coming to my head. And I was reading the scriptures that I was led to during this past week. And I was like, God, like, I don't want to mention finances. It's not a finances season. It's not a finances series in our church. And, you know, I just felt like God, not actually God saying to me, but just, like, slap me on the face and be like, what the, what? When did I say you have to do a series on finances to talk about finances? When, when, in the, when, in the, when did you get this notion that you got to do a series on finances at all? What, what is it about us that we fail to realize that Jesus talks about money more than anything in the New Testament? And the reason he does is not because he's obsessed with money, but because we're obsessed with money, and he knows that he needs to speak on it so many times to refresh our memory on what it looks like to have a, a, a healthy view of our finances. Now, I'm going to launch into some passages today, and what I want you to know is that if we were to read any commentaries, any theologians on these two passages, they would warn preachers of the gospel to make sure that we don't just start talking about people's uh, resources or just people's gifts that they give to the church or just people's time, but that we would make sure that we really understand that God was also talking about our money. So as we go forward, this message just isn't on money. This message is on your time and your resources and everything else. But you better walk out of this um, considering how you order your finances in God's kingdom as well, because that's the original intent of these passages I'm going to read, okay? So whether you've been given a lot or you've been given a little, 
We got to give it all that we've got. Turn to somebody and say, it's a lot. It's a lot. The first passage that I want to read to you today is out of the book of Mark, and it's in Mark chapter 12. And in Mark chapter 12, we read of a, a, a woman that, that um, seems to give a lot to Jesus. It says that Jesus, in Mark chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple te- treasury. Let's just pause and wonder, uh, like, and just just realize how kind of odd this is. <laughs> you know, can you imagine you know, somebody gives out, they come up, they give the giving talk, and, you know, we're a generous church, and you know, buckets are going to come back. And then all of a sudden, like, as lead pastors, we just, like, came over to the end of the buckets, and we're, like, watching, and be like, oh, that one's okay. Oh, okay. Hey, row three, I see what you put in the bucket over here, and it's time to start giving a little bit more, row three. I I see what you gave today. Time to show up to church with a little bit of money to give back to God. Like, just, just think about what Jesus is doing. It says he's watching as people are putting their money in the bucket. Isn't that scary a little bit? Like, God's watching. You know, we're heading into Christmas. It's like, Santa Claus is watching. So is God. Like, watch out, you know. And I just going to see whether you're good or bad with your finances. And, 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 and he's looking, but he has, a, he, has a, he has a motive for this, okay? He has a motive for this. It says that many rich people threw in large amounts. Oh, we love that. Love that in the church. If you want to throw in a large amount at the church, not a problem. Not a problem. But listen to what he says. A poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. And I know we don't have pennies in Canada, so let me contextualize. It's just a little copper thing that we used to have, and it doesn't worth very much. Put in a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put in everything, all she had to live on. Now this passage is significant because I want to talk on this idea of whether you've been given a little or you've been given a lot. You've got to give it all that you've got. Jesus is asking us, and, and he's teaching us in this space today, in this place today, that this widow's offering actually was more than everybody else that had given. And I also think that this passage is one of these passages that have actually put a lot of us under the thumb of wondering whether or not we've got to give all of our money, and then that'll suffice God, and he'll be happy with this. Or It's given us sometimes, and I'm going to get into the backstory of this, but it's sometimes given us a little bit of angst when it comes to whether or not we have a, a healthy view on money, because sometimes we look at this and we, we go, like, what is the expectation then? Like, this is all I've got, and, and, and what if I don't give enough, and what, what if I'm, I'm holding back too much for me, and, and it confuses us at times, but I want to walk through five different points across two different passages passages of scripture to talk on this idea of whether we've got a little or we've been given a lot, that we've got to give it all that we've got. And the first thing I want to talk on is this, a little can do a lot. See, if we're here today, we need to realize that a little can actually do a lot. A little can go a long way in the kingdom of God. Do you realize that God has been doing things throughout the history of mankind with and without you. <laughs> You're not the determining factor of whether or not God's going to move in our city. God actually is going to continue to move, and you can either get on that bus or not, but the bus is going to keep moving forward, so don't miss your stop and don't miss your, your chance to get on. God is going to continue to move, but a little goes a long way in the kingdom of God. Now, I think of, 
Um, you know, in, in various times of my life, I, I think of my kids, you know, my kids can take just a few little cushions and, and a couple of, of sheets, and, and they can put a little fort together. They can take a little and make it into a lot. I never know what I'm coming home to as a parent. I'm like, am I going to come home to, like, like a, like, like a, a little fort? Am I gonna, I'm going to come home to some sort of fort that they're going to invite me into, and it's either going to be one that I'm comfortable in or one that I'm not comfortable in. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and it doesn't end there. I mean, just in the last service. They're like climbing underneath the stage. I'm like, don't go back too far. I can't go get you. Like, we're gonna have to disassemble this thing. They can take a little, and in their minds, they can actually create a lot, you know? I, I experienced this one time when I was in, in university. I went to Redeemer University in, in Ancaster. And uh, I played in a, a men's hockey team, and, and I was, you know, talking to some of the guys on my hockey team. And I was like, hey, yeah, no problem. We can drive you. And they're big guys. I got hockey bags, and I kept telling a bunch of guys, and I knew how many seats were in Emma's 92 Volkswagen Jetta, which is like a tiny little tin can of a car, and uh, and, and I was like, yeah, no, no, no problem, like, we can take you, and I'm like, four guys, uh, you know, myself and three other guys, and Emma, five guys, we can fit in the car. What I didn't realize is that Emma on the other side was also inviting her friends, like, yeah, you can come watch, no problem, you know, you can come, and you can... What we ended up with was seven people that were expecting that we're going to drive across the city of Hamilton and we're going to go together. Seven people in four hockey bags. So Emma, you know, confronts me and she's like, well, we got to figure out a way to get these other two people across the city. And I was like, yeah, we do. Let's get them in the car, everybody all together, you know. And I remember uh, her going, like, like, there's four hockey bags. What are, what are we going to do with that? I'm like, watch. And I shove one in as far as I can. And I take the second one, and I shove it in as far as I can. And I take the third one, I shove it in as far as I can. And I look, and I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, we actually can't fit four hockey bags in this trunk. And so I was like, look, we got to find another spot for this person to go. I'm like, no, 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 I got an idea. And so I started shoving people in the front, like two people in the front seat. There's four people in the back seat. I got two guys to sit on the sides. And I'm like, guys, like, like guys on the, on the sides, they're by the windows. I'm like, just put your hand at the window. And I threw the hockey bag up on top of the car. I'm like, you grab one strap. They're like, good, yep. I went over to the other side. I'm like, hey, grab this strap. He's like, I'm like, are you good? He's like, I'm good. And I'm like, perfect, look, we all fit, you know. And we took the 20-minute drive across Hamilton. I'm not advising you to do anything, but, like, this was before I was saved. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so we, we just, but, but who knows? You can do a, a, a lot with a little. Some of us know this because we go to the fridge, and, and we're, we're, we're like, there's nothing in the fridge. <laughs> Anybody have this problem? You, like, open up the fridge, and you're like, there's nothing here, you know? And then all of a sudden, your spouse comes over. And they're, they're, like, like pulling out, like, full-course dinners. It's like a chicken dinner. They're, like, here's some ribs with, like, there's, like, a barbecue and, and steaks and fries and a full pizza. And you're, like, where was that? And they're, like, well, I got it all out of this little pepper, you know? Like, like, some people just have the gift of taking a little and making it into a lot. I, I think we need to remind ourselves of the divinity of Christ and what he's able to do when we give our little to him and he's able to multiply it through his abilities. See, a lot of us in our own strength, we take the things that we have and we proclaim it's a little and we walk through life like we don't have a lot. And so we 
keep it in a stingy place because we're like, hey, like, like, there's no way this little bit of money that I have can do anything for the kingdom of God. There's no way that this little half hour I have outside of taking care of the kids and, and, and going to work and, and going to take care of that and this and that. And there's no way that this half hour is going to serve any purpose in the kingdom of God. And what we do is we alienate the little that we have because we go, it's not, it's not a lot. And compared to everything else I see people giving and doing and all the rest, there's no way that I can make the impact that they can make. But I'm thankful for stories like this where Jesus says, hold up, hold up. <laughs> I'm thankful for the rich people that have given a lot. But, but listen, you need to know in this place today that a widow has just given two mites and she has given more than anybody else that has given in this place. I'm so thankful for stories like this. I'm so thankful for stories like the, the boy who provides the fish and the loaves and they're just a few fish and just a few loaves. And in the hands of Jesus, they're multiplied to feed the crowds that they find themselves in. I, I wonder today what little you have in your hands, what it could look like in God's hands, because in your hands, a little's going to look like a little, but in God's hands, a little can actually go a long distance in serving the people that we were put on earth to serve. See, whether you've been given a little or you've been given a lot, we've got to give it all we've got. I'm, I'm thankful for a church that understands this principle, because there's people every single week in our church that give a little, but it makes a big impact for the kingdom of God. I don't know if you've ever met a guy named uh, John Veza. Anybody know John Veza? A little more respect for John Veza. John takes his little, and, and listen, it, it, it might be a lot, but I, I want to give an example of this because John shows up. He's on our host team. Shout out host team. See you blue. <laughs> Bringing it back. See you blue. And and he, he, he serves, and he's probably the first person in the 9 a.m., maybe even the 11 a.m. that says hi to you out in the parking lot. He's the best. But you know that John also, he shows up even earlier because he, he knows that his little can go a long way. You know, whether it's the um, darts competition that happened here in the basement the week that we were upstairs in the banquet hall up there. You know, everybody's outside. They're smoking a lot. There's butts all over the, the ground outside. And and we show up and we think, well, you know, Inawadaloo does a great job cleaning up this place. And listen, Inawadaloo does respect their place. But there John Veza is every single week cleaning up the smoke butts outside the entrance to our, 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 the spot that we walk in. So when people walk in, they're not distracted by these types of things, but they can walk in free of distraction into the presence of God to experience him. Listen, listen, it's a little, but it makes a big difference. In fact, a lot of what we do as a church, for Sundays at least, is a little, but it makes a big impact. Because you might not notice that it was done, but you would notice if it wasn't done. You know, think of our, our, our muscle team that shows up. And some of them get here at 5.45 in the morning and they pick up our Penske truck from a parking lot across the city. They drive it, grab our stuff, and they bring it here every single week. Aren't you thankful that a bunch of people that didn't just say, well, all I've got is a morning on Sunday mornings. What's that going to do for the kingdom of God? That's the only free space that I have. Aren't you thankful that a bunch of people were willing to take their little and connect it to God's provision so a little could actually become a lot in the presence of God. You see, a little given to Jesus always becomes a lot. A little placed in the hands of the Savior of this world always 
uh, becomes a lot because all of a sudden the focus is taken off on what we can do with it in our in our little means of our minds and, and the ways that we think about, about things. And it puts it in the hands of the God that controls all the resources of the world. And he's able to actually express it and, and give it and multiply it in a way that can transform lives all across this world. A little can actually be a lot. A little can do a lot. I love this widow's offering. I love the, the, the reminder that it gives us. And I love it that it's a starting point for those of us in the room that we go, I don't have a lot. <laughs> There's so many of us in the room, like some of us, we look at each other and, and we go, well, I, I can't really do anything because they have a lot of time, but I, I don't have any time. And some of us, we, we look at other people because we go, I don't have any money, but they got a lot of money. I don't know what. And we're always excusing ourselves from giving God what he actually needs to accomplish his will. We're always, we're always looking at what surplus other people have, and we're minimizing the things that God's actually given us. You see, often people that, that make a lot of money, they're, they're looking and saying, well, I don't have any time. And people that have a lot of time, sometimes they're saying, well, I don't have a lot of money. And what I think God's trying to say to us through stories like this is he's saying, listen, whether you've got a little or you've got a lot, I'm just asking that you give all that you've got. Because when you give all that you've got, it's now placed in the hands of somebody that knows how to do with it what it was originally created to do. And I can release it to do the things that I've called you to do. There's no reason complaining about what we don't have. we got to put it into perspective what we do have and give it over to the hands of God so that he can multiply it for the people that he wants to reach. A little, a little can do a lot. And once we get that in our hearts and our minds... We need to understand that this entire passage is actually about something much deeper. In fact, if we're going to turn a little or a lot and give it all that we've got, if that's, if that's going to be the trajectory that we choose to go as God's church, which I, I believe today is a, is a godly trajectory, if that's going to be our focus, then we need, to, we need to have a starting place. And the first place to start is with looking at our heart. So as I tell you the truth, in verse 43, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. She put more in the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. And when I walk, when I walk into the kitchen, a lot of uh, kitchen metaphors today. It's amazing because I'm terrible in there. <laughs> but I walk into the kitchen and, and uh, I, I see a bunch of avocados. Anybody like avocados? Like it's, thank God for millennials. It's the one thing they've contributed to our world today. <laughs> Anybody like overpriced avocado toast? You're like, hey, that's my jam. I like wasting money. <laughs> avocados are like, like the perfect example that we can use because you walk up to an avocado and I, I just pick up a bag of avocados when I'm, when I'm doing grocery shopping. And, and I just pick it up and I'm like, this is good. <laughs> I just bring it home and I like toss it in, my, in the little fruit bowl that we've got. Or Is avocado fruit? Cool. Toss it in. If it wasn't, I'd throw it in my vegetable bowl. And, uh, and take your avocado. But when you walk up to an avocado, there's like from the outside, they all just look like avocados. <laughs> right? You look at it and you're just like, there's an avocado. But who knows when, when you, you're feeling an avocado and you're like, man, is this thing right? You've got a small window of time for that avocado to be good or not good. In fact, there's times where I take an avocado, you've been waiting like weeks, sometimes months, even years for an avocado to ripen 
and you finally get it, and you're like, hallelujah. And then you put it on your counter, and you're like, okay, just stay there. And you go and get your knife, and you're bringing it back. And by the time you bring your knife back, and you cut into that thing, you're like, what happened? It's like you got like one minute to eat those things. And it's because avocados are either hard or rotten. Or, and, and the thing is, is that on the outside, these avocados, they all look the same. In our society, one of our biggest goals as a society is to, to look like one another and to not stand out. So many of us think that we're expressing ourselves. Look at me, I'm so unique. I went to a store that nobody else knows of. I found something unique. Like everybody else that went to unique stores and found things that nobody else is going to wear. And we walk around like, I'm so unique. Look at me self-expressing myself. And when you look out, it's like we're all the same. Everybody's doing the same thing, trying to stand out, posting the same graphics on Instagram, doing the same things when they go to you know, a major sporting event. Look at me once a year, but I'm going to live it up. You know, I went on one trip, but I'm going to share those pictures for the next 10 years to make it look like I'm always traveling. And we all just look the same. <laughs> you see, what God is getting at in this, he's like, hey, look, look, on the outside, a bunch of people just walked by. And to the, the untrained eye, what it looks like is that there was a bunch of impressive things done in the name of Jesus, in the name of God. A bunch of impressive gifts were given to the kingdom of God. But he's saying, look a little bit deeper. Because while everybody looks the same from the outside, it's the one person that doesn't look the same as everybody else that's actually doing it from the right heart. Actually doing it from a place that's honorable. Actually doing it from a place that understands sacrifice and doing all that it takes in order to reach people with the love of God. And we got to be careful because I know there's people even in our church that you serve a lot and you compare yourself and you look down the line and you go, you only serve a half hour? <laughs> Rookie. <laughs> and meanwhile, the single mom's just over here trying to do the best job that she can and it's all she has to give. And she's actually given more because you're actually just sitting at home doing God knows what at night. Probably being able to give more to God's church than what you are. And she's over here giving everything that she's got. And we got to be careful that we don't just look at everybody the same and say, well, unless you're doing this, then you're not doing anything at all. I read something that says, unless we're giving it all. We're not doing anything at all. Unless we give it all, we're not honoring God. Because God wants what? He wants our hearts, and he wants our hearts to be aligned with his so that he can accomplish his will on this planet, and he can actually accomplish. Are you hearing me today, Slate Church? I hope the reason you're silent is because it's, it's hitting home. Because the place to start, if we're going to see a little become a lot, if we're going to take our little or a lot and give it all we've got, the place to start is with looking at your heart. <laughs> you know, just these little cheesy phrases that I throw out there. You know, uh, the place to start is by looking at your heart. It's an example of me just bringing my little <laughs> and allowing God to turn it into a lot here. I, I don't expect you to remember these things, but you got to know, like some people think, yeah, well, you get up there and you're so comfortable in front of a crowd, and I'm like, you should see what I'm seeing. There's one dude, he's just falling asleep. <laughs> not here, I'm not, but this example is not happening in the room right now. Although, no, <laughs> right over there. <laughs> but, you know, like, I got up and, and you know, falling asleep. Somebody else is judging me super hard. You know, somebody else. And, and as a people pleaser growing up, to get up on a platform like this is the scariest thing in the world. 
But I'm so thankful that God brought me to a place, honestly, because it wasn't in my own strength, and brought me to a place where I just kept giving my little. God, if, if I just bring this, could you turn it into something? And I just bring it again and bring it. Listen, I never get up from this platform to try to impress you with how I can communicate God's word. My whole goal is to say, look at me. You can do it too. I'll bring my little, you bring your little, and we can actually turn it into a lot for the kingdom of God. Because what's important is nobody impressing anybody, but actually getting the attention of God who is the only one. That we should actually care about. So he looks at this woman and he says, hey, the truth is she's given more. And ironically, she gets what everybody else is looking for. Get this. Sometimes this happens in our world today, but it was absolutely happening in the ancient Near East. Where people would come by and they would make a big deal about the gift that they're given. Look at me. I just sold a few houses. Look at me giving to God. You would put my plaque up on the wall and put a little name there. It would be great. And we give it. And, and these people are walking by with these big gifts. And what are they doing? They want the attention that they're looking for. They're doing these acts so that they actually might be recognized for what they're doing for God. Interestingly, that when we actually get our hearts right, we actually get what we're looking for. Because when you get the attention of man or you get the attention of woman or you get the attention of anybody here on planet earth, when you get that kind of attention, what happens? It just fuels you to want to get more attention from the people around you. You're giving to receive your reward here on earth. But what Jesus says is, hey, hey, this woman, she's actually given more than the rest. What does this woman get? She gets what everybody else is looking for, the attention of the living Savior, the attention of God Almighty, the attention of the creator of the universe. In her humility of her heart, everybody else is searching for attention and being satisfied by attention from one another. And this woman comes in humble of heart, and who does she get attention from? She gets attention from the Lord Almighty. See, if you, want, if you want to get what you're really looking for in this life, humble your heart and bring everything that you've got to God. Because in that process, you actually get the attention of the Lord Almighty. Listen, God is looking on all of us, and, and he's not looking for works righteousness. That's not what I'm preaching. But he's looking to, for the humble of heart to connect with, because a humble heart is after God's heart, and you're going to connect with it so much easier. He says, look at this poor woman. She gave more than all the others. Turn to somebody and say, it's a lot. Come on, turn to the other person and say, it's a lot. Just keep, keep saying, it's a lot until I'm done drinking my water. <laughs> All right, that's a lot of water. You know, it's interesting because this widow's offering is, a, is an incredible story, but it, it actually stops a little short. Um, from a full understanding. You see, we got to be careful that we don't proof text the scriptures. Do you know what proof texting is? It's when you come up with an idea or a topic, and then you pick all the scriptures that kind of point to what you actually want to talk about. And we do this all the time in scripture. We take one little thing, we're like, see, God said it. And we forget that God also said some other things surrounding finances as well. See, I think that this is an incredible story, but here's where things pivot on its head, is that God actually doesn't want you in poverty. That's not the goal of this thing. And I've actually seen a generation of Christians grow up scared to have money or scared to have anything at all because if I've got something, then, oh, my goodness, maybe I'm not following God because we're, this story tells us that we've got to give it all back to God. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. But let's read another story. Let's get another glimpse into what God's talking about. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit for time, but in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, 
um, Jesus is talking and he's giving another metaphor. He's giving another story. This is part two scripture. Are you okay to hear two messages in one day? Because that's what I'm going to give. I could have stopped there and that would have been a good message, yeah? All right, I don't need your applause anyway. All right, well, I'll give it to you then. I'll give it to you. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's just a joke. Um, the parable of the talents. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, God's, or Jesus is telling a story. And he says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Again, when you read stuff like this and you're looking to criticize the church, you might say, see, God condones slavery, condones servants. Yeah, but it says that Jesus came like a thief to steal, or a thief on the cross, right? But, but is that Jesus, is he condoning thievery? No. He's using an example here, okay? So it says it would be like a man going on a journey, he called his servants and entrusted his property to him. He's using an example that people can understand during the day. He said to one, he gave five talents of money, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now this is where the story gets really good because the master actually comes back and he says, what did you give? And, and all of a sudden he sees that the one made five, the one made two, and the other one he comes up and he's like, see, like I'm giving you back what you gave me. And Jesus is the master in this story, Right? If we, if we read the fullness of the story, Jesus is the master of the story, coming back, and he goes, that's not good enough. To just give back what I've given you is not good enough. In fact, he doesn't reward that person. He takes what they have and gives it to the person that has more. What's happening here? <laughs> because in one story we read that Jesus is so excited about the woman that just gives two pennies. And the next story we read, all of a sudden he's taking the, from the person that has none and giving it to the person that has a lot. See, this is what I want to walk through for just a moment. First, of all, first off, if you're still taking notes, we need to be honest with what you've got. Okay, because we got to break this poverty mentality that exists within our Christian churches here in North America. Where we go on, and I, I, at a certain point growing up, I just got a little sick of, of hearing my parents say this. I don't know if you've ever said it or if you've ever heard this. I'd ask for something and say, Brandon, we can't do that. We're poor. I'm like, what? We're poor? I didn't realize we were poor. Like, yeah, we're poor. You know, how many of us, when we want to do something, oh, we don't got any money for it. Oh, we don't have any time for it. We don't have any, we don't have any this for it. We don't have any that for it. I just, I just don't have what it, can, can, can I just remind you for a second that we live in North America? Can I remind us for a second that we live in Canada? Can I remind us for a second that we live in the Waterloo region? Can remind us that the average household income, even if you don't, I didn't, I, I don't, we don't make this, if the average household income is $120,000 a year? Can I remind you that if you live in that area and you identify with just living in this area, that you're considered to be in the top 4% of this world? Can I, can I remind you that if you have any ounce of education, all of a sudden it bumps you up in that percentage? That if you went off for college or university, you're getting close to that 2%? That if you had, uh, food to eat, you're actually getting even higher in that percentage. Can I just remind you that we live in a very prosperous country where saying that we don't have enough is actually an excuse for not actually realizing that we actually do have all that God needs us to have and maybe we're not managing it properly. You know, one of the, my favorite things to hear is, you know, I'll talk to people and, and they'll say, oh, I don't have any time to do this or I don't have any time to do that. And I'm like, well, that's interesting, and I move on the conversation. But I almost always circle back around, and now I'm giving you my, my, my tricks. That's okay. Just, just, 
we're still going to do it. It's still going to be predictable. I go around, oh, I don't have the time. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. We just carry on the conversation. Later on, I just come back. Have you been watching any good shows lately? Oh, yeah, I watched it. Oh, Breaking Bad. Have you seen Breaking Bad? I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not really into Breaking Bad. You know, but what, you know, anything like comedies, like you know, like any of the Oh, yeah, I've been watching, um, have you seen this new show on Netflix? I've been watching Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't really like that. What, what about another one? Do you have another show you like? Oh, yeah, well, I've been watching this. You know what? I, I can, out of anybody I talk to, pull out five to ten shows that people are watching every single week. And then I remind them, wait, wait, you're watching like five to ten? You might actually have some time this week. To put towards meeting with God. Believe it or not. I just, I just discovered in five minutes that, that you might actually have the ability to do what you said you don't have. It. See, see, we proclaim lack and poverty in areas where God has given us abundance. We proclaim that we don't God stuff. And what we're really complaining about is our inability to organize our lives to maximize the things that God's actually given us. So many of us, we want to identify with the widow because we're like, oh, yeah, I don't have much to give. But you need to start identifying with the one that was given five and start realizing that there's an expectation to do something with what God's actually given you. You might not have money, but it's not because God hasn't blessed you with money. It's because you failed to put together a budget. You might not have any time to serve in church, but it might be because you keep watching every season you can on Netflix trying to catch up to your friends so you can talk about it at work. You might not have any of this. You might not have any talent and say, well, they're more skilled than I am. God never gave me any natural abilities. And yet you've not done anything to get a mentor into your life to actually develop the God-given skills that he's given you for years. And now you're complaining about something again that you didn't do. Ah, is this okay? All of a sudden people are like, oh, I don't want to come to church today. These are the messages I don't want to hear. Listen, I'm to blame for every single one of these things. But as long as we look at scripture and misidentify ourselves within the pages and narrative of God's story, we'll fail to realize the expectations that God's actually put on us. So this is what I want to say. Be honest (laughs) with what you've got. Thanks, Austin. We're about to get a whole lot more holy in this place. <laughs> the words are a little bit more anointed when the piano comes. I've got two more points to give you. Is that okay? First of all, a little can do a lot. Secondly, the place to start is with looking at your heart. Thirdly, be honest with what you've got. Fourthly, remember Jesus is coming back. Man, this is another one we're pretty confused about, isn't it? <laughs> when? How? I'll use language that, that is going to alienate some because you didn't grow up in this. Early tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. You know what? Who cares? As far as I'm concerned, in my Bible, Jesus says, nobody knows except the Father. Yeah, but is it post-mid or pre Hey, how about you stop talking about this and start doing something for the kingdom of God? Because he's coming back. I mean, this should this should alarm some of us. I, I remember when I would be thinking at home, I did something bad, my parents had gone, and I'm like, oh shoot, dad's coming back. You ever remember that? You're like home, mom left you for like 20 minutes, like 10 minutes in, you're like, oh, why do I always forget? She's coming back, you know? It's like the worst thing in the world, or like, like, like you get your freedom for the first couple of times, and you're just doing whatever the heck you want, and then you're like, 
Oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry. You're fearing it all right. I remember my dad had this uh, stereo sound system in my house. Uh, I don't mean like a Sonos or Bose. These things are weak. I'm talking about strong sound systems. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever have one of these in your house? The speakers were not this big. The speakers were this stinking big. In fact, in the middle you had a console and there was glass doors that opened and shut. And then you had a whole bunch of other things that you, as a kid, never knew what they did. But they did a bunch of stuff. One of them was a cassette player, played the donut man. And all of a sudden you're like, you don't know who the donut man is. You're blessed. (laughs) I called him creepy in the last service, but I don't know who he is. He might actually be a good guy. My dad had one of these, and we didn't have a TV growing up. My, my parents were anti-TV. We were halfway Mennonite, you know? And uh, I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> but they're like, we're not getting a TV. So we would gather around this stereo. It was my dad's prized possession. We would gather around it, listen to hockey games. I loved it. I'd be sitting there, like, visualizing in my head, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's where it's cool, yeah. And, like, all my friends are actually able to watch it, and uh, not bitter, not bitter. I dealt with that one. (laughs) I'm kidding. But, like, you know, sitting there, and my dad loved it. Well, one day, he puts my cousin in charge. He's watching the three of us and and my cousin. My cousin's crazy. Kids running around the house, and just so happened that we were listening to some songs, and we left one of those glass doors open. All of a sudden, my my cousin Logan just barrels through, and he just runs, and all of a sudden, he doesn't realize it, but he runs right through the glass door. It was like one of the most marvelous sights I'd ever seen. I'm like, I'm sitting over there, and I'm like, I'm impressed. It's like shattered. And then the next thought came home, I'm like, shoot, dad's coming home. I just remind you, Jesus is coming back. (laughs) But listen to this. The reality of that should not strike fear into you because of the sin that you've committed or not committed. Listen, fear of God is a good thing. But fear out of whether or not you're doing the right things, that becomes works righteousness. You're saved by faith and faith alone. We need to remember that. But remembering Jesus is coming back is one of the things that can actually free you up in the way that you use your time, your money, and the talents that God has given you. It is. Because when God's coming back, when we read in this story, is he comes back for his money. Remember, he gave the money to the talents to these people, and he's coming back for whose talents? Not the servant's talents, but his talents. You know, so many of us, our stress, anxiety, and depression comes from trying to protect things that we think are ours, but they're actually God's. Like, oh, my gosh, like, God, if, 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 this, uh, if this breaks down, like, I'm gonna, and we, we get stressed, and we're like, oh, I don't know if I don't have, have enough to pay for that. Listen, if we just recognize that Jesus is coming back, and all that we have is really his, and we're just called to steward it, all of a sudden, life becomes a lot less anxious, a lot less depressed, a lot less stressful, and it's because we start realizing who provided it in the first place and whose it is in the end of it all. Give an example. This past week, Emma comes to me, and she's like, babe, I don't think the furnace is working. And I'm like, oh, why not? She's like, well, it's been set at 28, and it's not. I'm kidding. Somebody's like, you guys are rich, 28. What was it, 22? 21. See, poor. (laughs) Didn't you just say you're not? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I got to wrap it up. At 21, and she said, but. It's been all not all night set at that, but we're only getting 19. She's like all worried. And she doesn't see me, but like I go into the kitchen and I'm just like stressing out. I'm like walking around. I'm like, oh, 
That's what I do when I'm stressing it. God, please. You know. But honestly, like I was like, oh man, like I, I don't know. We had, we had some furnace issues previously, so I'm like, is this just the, it's breaking down? And, but when all of a sudden you realize that it's all Jesus and he's coming back, you start thinking about things differently. Honestly, I've trained my mind to think this way because I had to get myself into a place where I just, I, I said, God, <laughs> everything we have is yours. <laughs> this furnace is yours. At the end of this life, you get it. Throughout this life, you get it. I just prayed a prayer. I said, God, if you want your money to go to your furnace, then so be it. But it's not going to go this, 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 or this. <laughs> But God, if you want that money to go to this, then we got to figure this thing out because I, I don't think we can afford it right now. And all of a sudden, you know the pressure it takes off of you when you start realizing that everything you have is God's and everything you have is to be steward for him and that it's all his to begin with and it's all his in the end? Is all of a sudden you get to walk with a little bit more peace that you know what? God's going to give to those who need it. It says he gave to each of those given their ability. And you know what? He's going to take from those he takes from. But at the end of the day, he's in control. And what we read in scripture is he's going to take care of his kids. And so I can walk free of heart, light of heart, walking, not worrying about anything that's going to go on because I'm not worried about my investments. I'm concerned about his investments. And when he comes back, he's going to care about what I've done with his stuff, not what I've done with my stuff. So we've got to realize that Jesus, he's coming back. And finally, I'm going to leave you with this. God's looking for a return on his investment. If you want to see a little turn into a lot, if you have a little or a lot, and you want to make sure that you give it all you've got, we need to remember that God's looking for a return on his investment. See, what we need to know in this place is all of us have been blessed to some degree. But so many of us are looking for the blessing that we've received from God to further bless us in this life. I mentioned the story of the, the loaves and the bread because when things are placed into God's hands, he's able to multiply it. But what you need to know is that God's not here on earth able to multiply the things he's given you himself. <laughs> he's not. He's given that responsibility to us. He's given it to us in the meantime. We read this in the final story, the parable of the talents. He's not going to multiply the things he's given you for you. He's going to multiply it through you. And you get to become the reason whether or not you're going to take the things God's given you and multiply it for kingdom impact or not. You see, a lot of us are walking around, we're wondering how can we, how can we uh, leverage our equity so that we can get more? How can we um, spend our money wisely so that we can save enough for a trip? What if we started thinking from the right place? We put first things first and started saying, God, what do you want to do in your kingdom? And how can I multiply the things that you've given me so that I have more time to give back to you and loving people and reaching people for the gospel? God, you've given me finances. And I don't want to honor you and give back to you so that we can reach a world that is desperately in need of you. I don't want to just Stay complaining that the world is going to hell and they took this out of this and, and we're not doing this anymore. I want to be on the front lines of leveraging the things that you've given me so that I can give back to you and we can reach the people around us. I want to take the talents you've given me. I'm going to go find a mentor and I want to multiply this, not so that I can get glory, but that's so you can get glory. God, I want to be on your side so that when you come back, you come back and you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a little. I will give you more.
Come on, there's so many people in this room today, and I just really believe that not only is Slate Church's best days ahead of us, but your best days are ahead of you. The moment we stop living for ourselves is the moment we can turn our eyes to God, and all of a sudden we can start living for the God-side dreams in our lives. There's no more living for the I dreams, but we're living for the God dreams. There's no more living for the things that we want, but we're living for the things that God wants. And it's amazing what starts to happen, but we start receiving all the things that we initially wanted because we're looking for recognition. We're looking for a reward. We're looking for somebody to take notice of all the hard things that we're doing, but when we point it in the direction of God, all of a sudden, all those things find their rightful place in Him. Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by this message in any way, send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. You can also visit slatechurch.com and fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. As well, you can stay connected with us by following us at Slate Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.